Welcome everyone to this episode of the Perfect Par Podcast. This has been the first episode in a, a long time. Uh, not really on purpose. I think it's been almost, you know, f- four months. It's been ridiculous. It's been, you know, that that totally wasn't planned. You know, about the time my last episode came out, uh, high school started, uh, high school golf started up. And then a few things came after that. And overall, I've just been insanely busy. So haven't really been able to find time to record a podcast. But now everything's kind of started to slow down. Finally able to get back behind the microphone and start recording again. And today I am joined by Lucas Herring. Lucas, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So today we're, we're kind of going to be going over an interesting topic that, you know, I thought of a little while ago and, you know, diving into, you know, golf as a psychological sport. It really is, regardless of yep. where you are in believing that, you know, it took me all of this year to, you know, fully understand and fully allow myself to realize that, yeah, golf is probably more mental than, than physical once you get to a certain point. And that's hard to believe, at least for somebody like mm-hmm. me, some other people, it may not be, but for me, that's the way it is. And so a big part of psychology is your personality. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's really no perfect way to measure somebody's personality. Yeah, everybody's going to have their little intricacies of how they do things, how they think. So there's, there's no perfect method, but there is something called the uh, Myers-Briggs type, which is a, uh, a personality test of sorts. It came out in the 60s at mm-hmm. first, and it's been, you know, bettered ever since. And it's used quite often in, uh, you know, like job interviews, especially higher level positions to make sure, yeah. you know, you can either fit a leadership role or fit into a team well. And, you know, it's not it's not a perfect representation, doesn't represent you as a whole, but you know, it's the closest yeah. thing we've got. So it's pretty close. We are uh, today. We're kind of going to be going over, you know, my personality type, Lucas's personality type and how it really affects the way we play golf. And, you know, for you guys listening, if you don't already know your Myers-Briggs type, there's a website you can go to called 16. It's the number. It's one six personalities dot com. You can take the it's a free test. It's like 10 minutes long. It's really simple questions and it's how much you agree how much you disagree and it will give you a uh your it's it's a four letter personality you know it's either e or i n or s t or f and j or p and we're about to go through what all of that means and what that means for us in golf but go pause this podcast take the test or take the test after uh whatever but i feel like this is going to be one of the more interesting podcasts i've done um so Lucas and I have been, you know, if yeah. you've listened to the podcast for a while, we've been good friends for a while. And um, he just recently took the test, you know, about a week before we recorded this. And we discovered that he and I are the exact opposite personality types in every single letter, <laughs> which is absolutely hilarious because we get along really well. Yet, yep. you know, personality type is so different. So, you know, really be, you'll be able to see both sides of the aisle from different people. So, I'm ENTJ, um, which, you know, really is a, uh, it's not a super common personality type. It really, I'm, I'm extroverted, intuitive, um, thinking and judging, you know, and we'll go over what that means. And Lucas, you are ISFP, I believe. I am. So, you know, quite a bit different, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of dive in here and see how it affects golf. So the first one is introverted or extroverted. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. you know, E for extroverted, I for introverted. And a lot of people, 
have a misconception around introvert versus extrovert. A lot of people think if you're an introvert, you know, you don't really want to talk to a lot of people. You really want to stay to yourself. You don't really enjoy talking to people. And a lot of people think of an extrovert as, you know, the life of the party for, for instance, yeah. you know, everybody wants to, you know, talk to them every, they want to pull attention to themselves. You know, they're just the, the, uh, the popular person. And that's really not true. When you look into the definition of introvert and extrovert, what, what introvert and extrovert is, is where you get your energy from. So if you're an introvert, you are going to, after you talk to 10, 15 different people, you know, people, you know, or people you don't know, you're going to feel a little bit drained almost of energy, you know, not necessarily yeah. tired, but just a little, oh, I'm tired of talking to people. If you're an extrovert, more than likely you talk to those 10 to 15 people and, and you thrive off of talking to those people. You really enjoy talking to people. You, you could do it all day. And you know, that, that gives you energy. And for the most part, exactly. that's true. But, you know, if you're an introvert, that doesn't mean necessarily you're shy. And if you're an extrovert, that doesn't mean you want to drive all the attention to yourself. So for me, yeah. I am an extrovert. I love talking to people. I have a podcast. I have a business. I love talking to people and I can do it all day. But if you met me in real life, I am not Mr. Popular. I'm not Mr. Draw all the attention to me. You know, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I kind of fall into that boat. Lucas, where do you think you fall in kind of the introvert uh, spectrum? Um. I, so it says here, I'm 72% introverted, not that the percentage right. uh, really means that much, but the way I fall into it would be, I don't necessarily, I get, if I'm in a big crowd, like a party or something from school, I'll definitely be like uh, exhausted after, after being around so many people and having yeah. to create conversations and all that stuff. But if I'm, I don't know how to explain it, but when I'm with people that I know and people that I relate to and my true good friends that aren't really like acquaintances at school, but like legit friends yeah. that I would see outside of school and hang out with, I, I'm pretty extroverted. I talk a lot. I, I share, I guess, what I'm feeling, my personal stories, and I don't really get tired of that. I only get tired when I'm around people I'm not really familiar with and I still have to kind of create small talk and it just, it, 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 I need energy to be able to create some sort of conversation with people I don't know versus a conversation that comes up naturally with people where you are very familiar with. Yeah. So, you know, I, you're, you're not on the extreme introvert side because I have, I've met introverts who, they can have mm -hmm. they their their friend they've known since they were two, like somebody yeah. they've known really well, and they are drained mm -hmm. from talking to them, and they don't really want to talk to them. Yet, yeah. So I think you fall kind of in the middle where you know mm -hmm. you don't really like talking to new people per se. You don't just want to yeah. go and talk to somebody you've never met before. Uh, but yeah. you know, talking to your friends is fine. And yeah, you know, I'm kind of on the the middle of the extrovert scale. I'm not mm -hmm. really you know talk to every single person I've ever seen in my life. But I'm yep. certainly comfortable, you know, going to somebody that I'm introduced to by a friend or somebody mm -hmm. I find interesting and, you know, striking up a conversation. So we're both kind yep. of on the middle of, of each of these spectrums. Um, for sure. So as far as how that applies to golf, for me, when mm -hmm. I'm playing golf, especially with somebody who's, you know, an overall pretty likable person, 
which thankfully in golf is, you know, pretty, pretty common, you know, you'll rarely play with somebody that, you know, isn't super Mm -hmm. likable. Um, yeah, I love game. Yeah, exactly. I I'd love to talk to people on the golf course. So, and and Lucas probably knows this because we played a ton. I absolutely, you know, I'll talk about even in tournaments, you know, I'll talk about the way I'm playing, you know, the weather, whatever. I like to talk because it allows me to continue focusing on golf and allows me, it doesn't draw my focus away from it, but it also allows me to Mm -hmm. relieve a little bit of the stress of the game. Um, And, you know, after the first two holes, I really don't feel the stress, but, you know, to, to an extent, Mm -hmm. it's still there, especially if you're in contention in the tournament. But I I just, I enjoy, I enjoy talking to people. You know, it, it gives me energy on the golf course. It helps draw my mind away from the stress of playing the game. And, you know, in, in non-tournaments, you know, I've talked about everything under the sun playing golf. Uh, But, you know, in in tournaments, you know, I I do tend to talk, you know, I played with Lucas in a final group at Nashville golf and athletic club. And I had a, I made like three birdies and like five holes and I was one up on 18. Um, And, you know, I was, talking you know i was i was focused but i was also mm-hmm. i was still talking because that really helped um unfortunately yeah. you know we, we're not going to talk about how that ended up on 18 but <laughs> um you know regardless you know i like to talk to people on the golf course um yeah and i find i do better i i, I do better in tournaments mm-hmm. where i'm able to to talk to somebody about whatever it may be lucas are, are yeah. you kind of the same way do you enjoy talking to people you know on on the golf uh, course I. So I have like two different sides of me when I'm playing golf. If I'm playing for fun or I'm just out there going to play nine holes just to get some practice in on the golf course, maybe with a few buddies, I'll talk a ton. Just we'll maybe talk about golf or we'll talk about school, just like just talk and get some stuff out. But when I'm in a tournament, I tend to not talk as much. I'm more of for me to be focused, I have to be like a hundred percent onto what I need to be focusing on. So I'll definitely talk if somebody starts talking, but my answers won't be as long as they would be if I'm out there having fun. Like uh, if, if I'm playing for fun, my friend asked me a question, it might be a topic for three holes, yeah. but in a tournament, um somebody asked me a question it might be like a two three word answer just kind of like yeah no not really because yeah. i'm i i really need to stay focused on the golf because yeah. i just have i have just it's just how i how i roll i don't really like to talk when i'm in a tournament i have to be locked in yeah and and you know this is the exact reason that i want to do this podcast is it's mm-hmm. it's purely you know introvert versus extrovert i'm sure there are a ton of people yep. like me there's a ton of people like you and i think understanding mm-hmm how you function in, in this way is really a good key to, you know, keep your stress levels down and and perform better. So I do have an interesting question, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're playing with somebody, you know, not necessarily me, but somebody like me who likes to talk in a tournament, do you find it Mm -hmm. annoying? Um, that's a, that's a really, (laughs) that's a good question. No, not you, Carter, because okay. you're like, you're mature and you know what you're talking about and they're good questions. And it's like something that you can actually talk about. Okay. But when it's like some, some random person I've never talked to who just tries to create the most 
random small talk the entire 18 holes yeah then then i'm like all right dude you gotta you gotta be quiet i'm trying to play golf here like come on yeah it's like there's two there's there's different sides of talking on the golf course there's just there's like smart educated uh conversations that can ask actually last an entire round of golf right or there's like somebody ask you a hundred different questions that are all one word answers and those one word answers and those like small talk questions really, really bother me if I'm really trying to focus. Cause I'm like, dude, I got this three footer for par. And if you keep (laughs) on asking me questions, I'm going to miss it. So I need you to stop talking in my head. I, I I wouldn't, I'm never that guy to just like, uh, go up to the guy and be like all right dude you got to be quiet because i just feel terrible to do that but in my head i'm like dude you got you have yeah. to stop talking yeah <laughs> so in, in a round where you're paired with that kind of person you know how how do mm-hmm. you how do you deal with it i i try to stay away um i what i normally do to kind of set the tone on how i'm how i don't want to talk is like right on the first hole right after we all hit our tee shots I walk ahead of everybody and just not try not to make eye contact or engage. I know that sounds really rude, but and I, I try to set that tone of like I'm here to uh, win and I'm not here to really make some stupid conversation with you. So I'm yeah. gonna get in front of you and you can talk to whoever else is in our group. Because now, okay, it's different if it's just a twosome because it's easier to engage in a twosome because. Uh, there's not right. that extra person that might be left out or whatever. Right. So, but if definitely, if it's like a threesome or a foursome, I definitely try to get ahead because um, it's, it's just my way of kind of saying without saying, I'm, I'm trying to be focused. I don't really want to talk. Yeah. And it, and it, and it lasts for like five, six holes. And then they're like, oh, okay. And they start catching up to me and start talking. So it's, it doesn't really bother me unless it starts to get like pretty intentional on the questions that are, it's not really good. So, yeah, that's actually a really smart way of doing it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not flat out telling people to shut up and stop talking, yep. but it's, you know, it's kind of getting in front of people. Yeah. that That's actually really smart. And, you know, I also am, I wonder, you know, I wonder if it's split. So as far as personality types in golf, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's, you know, kind of split right down the middle, you know, or, or half introverted, half mm-hmm. extroverted, or are more people introverted and extroverted or vice versa. So I, I'm really interested in that. So, you know, if you take the test yes, and, and you want to, you know, message me on Instagram and uh, let me know what your personality type is, just because I'd be interested to see who, who out of our listeners, you know, what their personality type is and how they think it affects their golf, you know, because it's, it's a really interesting concept. Um, and it, it really is. So the next letter is either N or S, and they stand for intuitive or observant. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, they have their exact meanings, you know, intuitive meaning more kind of just a gut feeling kind of thing. Observant mm-hmm. being, you know, more you, you take as much information around you in as possible to make that decision. Um, you know, the kind of the direct definitions directly from the the website is intuitive personalities rely on imagining the past and future potential of what they see. So, you know, based on past experience, they, they think of something and they tend to think a lot in the future. 
um, you know, versus observant styles are more interested in observable facts and, you know, more straightforward outcomes and making decisions based on what information they have right then, you know, so not saying they can't use their gut feeling, but they tend to, you know, just observe a little bit more than going straight with their gut feeling. Um, So uh, for me and, you know, being intuitive, yeah, I definitely tend to follow my gut. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say I fall right in the middle of this though, because I, I tend to, especially when making like business decisions, I try to gather as much information as I can to make the decision. So I fall right in the middle. You know, I probably am just ever so slightly toward tilted towards the intuitive side of things. Um, Mm -hmm. Lucas, where do you find yourself in this? I, uh, I'm a, I'm pretty observant, like a really high percentage observant. Okay. Um, I, I, it's, it's pretty accurate because I tend to like live in the present and not really think about the past or future. And especially when I'm playing golf. Okay. So yeah, ties right into the golf part. So I think this is mm-hmm. probably one of the biggest pitfalls in my personality type for golf. Maybe not. And you know, there's, there's no yeah. good or bad personality type. It's just understanding it and know how to deal with mm-hmm. it on the golf course, understand your tendencies. Yeah. But for me, you know, when I'm, when I'm playing golf, um, especially, you know, this year I noticed, you know, especially when I was shooting, you know, lower scores or whatever, you know, I'd be on hole 12 and I'd be, yeah. I don't know, three, four under through 12. And I'd start mm-hmm. thinking I have six holes left. You know, if I par them all, I shoot, you know, 69, 68, which is a really good score for me right now, personally, like really good, mm-hmm. especially in tournaments. It, yeah. The problem with that is then, you know, not necessarily sometimes I lose focus. Sometimes you just, you, that builds up so much anxiety that you, you, you mess up on the last six holes. Like I can think of one tournament I had this year. I think I was one over through 17 and it was like, it was a qualifier event and one over honestly wouldn't have made it, but I thought it would Mm -hmm. have based on past experience. So, you know, I thought, okay, I make par, I qualify for this, which was a, you know, a big deal for me. And Mm -hmm. I totally messed up the last hole. I, I mean, I doubled it, you know, just because I, I thought yeah. too much in the future rather than focusing on the present. And the other side of what I struggle with in, in terms of, you know, thinking in the fat, the past and the future is the past. So, you know, if I'm on hole six and I miss a three and a half foot putt because it was crazy yeah. break, you know, and I have a 11 foot or I have a, a three foot putt on 11 with the same amount of break. I tend, my mind goes right back to that whole six rather than just focusing on this putt and realizing that they're two different putts at two different times. And, you know, that becomes quite an issue in golf, you know, especially at a high level. So Lucas, how do you think your observant style affects the way you play? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely a positive for, when maybe I'm in contention or uh, I'm playing really well because um, like I said, I kind of live in the present. So whenever I write down my score on the scorecard, I forget that number I wrote down. I don't really, I could tell you a rough estimate. Like when I'm on the golf course, I could give you a rough estimate on where I am score wise, mm-hmm. but I never, I can never tell you exactly how much over or, under i am Dude, until I, wish, I wish i could do that yeah so, so i've like i've played around and i would go out at my number i'm like dang that's lower than i thought or wow did i really hit that many golf shots 
<laughs> so I've, I've, I live so in the present that sometimes I actually shock myself with the outcome. Yeah. That's now, uh, um, I had one tournament where the intuitive, the 29% intuitive part of me, uh, took over and I missed, uh, literally a three foot putt to win made me so mad, but that's what, I mean, you can't really be a hundred percent of anything. So there's always yep. two sides. There's always two sides to everything. There's always a positive and a negative to everything. So, yep. Yep. I think intuitive or observant is probably, you know, potentially a little bit more, uh, important in golf, you know, understanding which yes. one you are. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So the next, uh, the next letters are T or F and they stand for mm-hmm. thinking or feeling. And this is a little bit more, you, you think it through, you know, you realize all the, that's all the data that you have and, and you really think things through, or you, you kind of feel your way through, you know, what feels right. Yeah. You know, a little bit more of the, the gut feeling, um, mm-hmm. you're feeling I'm thinking, uh, I'm 100, mm-hmm. like I'm probably like 95% thinking. So I rarely have just like a a feeling kind of, I mean, it's just not my personality. I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. I am, I'm think it through and just think, which is good and bad. I tend to overthink a lot of things, but it also, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not in the middle of a a round and say, oh, okay, well, I just, you know, kind of feel this is right and don't think it through. So it's good and bad. Are, Are you kind of in the middle or? You, are you really um, a feeling kind of person? I'm, I'm, I'm a little past the middle. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big feel guy. Uh, I think I'm, I think the percentage it gave me was a little, uh, not as accurate because I feel like I make a lot of my decisions based on what I feel and how others might feel. Oh, okay. That's, um, that's a big one. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I tend to make decisions almost for another person on how they might feel before, before me. So like, I I can't really give an example. I'd have to think of one, but it's, it's not, it's not a good thing. It's not, I, I've gotten better at it. It's been way worse, Yeah, but I, I don't, it's just one of my personalities. I tend to think of other people before myself and sometimes you need to be a little selfish in life. And I think, um, to, to feel for yourself before feeling for others is definitely one of those things where you need to be a little selfish about. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, it's finding a balance, right? You don't want to yeah, exactly. feel so much for others that you feel like your, you know, your life rests on others' decisions, but mm-hmm. you also, you know, don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be selfish. You want to be considerate of yep. others and think of others. I didn't, you know, that's honestly, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of that with this, but, you know, to be honest, mm-hmm. I fall more under, you know, I try to be considerate of people and what people are going to think, but especially in terms yeah. of like what they think of me, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of if I'm giving my honest opinion, let's say on a, a, a business in, in marketing, you know, if yep. I'm giving my honest opinion on this marketing strategy, thought, whatever, and they don't mm-hmm. like it and they don't like my opinion, I'm not mm-hmm. really going to care that much. Like, I, I don't see an instance where I would really care much beyond, you know, like 30 minutes after the conversation. So I don't, yep. you know, in, in real life, in terms of, you know, 
thinking of people and being considerate, being polite. I, I think I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at that, but in terms of, you know, just Mm -hmm. how people judge my opinions or my thoughts, I I just, I, I, my personality, I don't really take any of that to take any of that personally. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And honestly, I wish I was more of a thinking than a feeling because like, like I said, there's always positive and negative to everything, but I feel like I'm such a feeler that it's actually affecting my own self. So yeah, I'm still, I'm obviously working on it. It's gotten better, but if I could, I feel like if I could get to 50, 50, I'd be pretty happy yeah. with that. Well, you know, it's not even really, you know, changing it. It's just understanding yeah. your tendencies understanding. and exactly. how to utilize those tendencies. You know, no personality mm-hmm. type is is a bad personality type. It's just, it, it is what all. it is. And so it's just yep. understanding your tendencies and understanding how to best utilize them. Mm-hmm. So the final uh, letter is uh, J or P. So if you do take the test, there's sometimes a, a, a fifth letter. I honestly, that's been added on since the original Myers-Briggs type. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to go too much into that final letter. letter. Um, mm-hmm. We're just going to stick to the, you know, the primary four. Um, so it's, gotcha. it's J or P, it's judging or perceiving. Uh, mm-hmm. So judging is, you know, yes, you could take it as judging people, you know, just based on whatever they say, whatever. That's part of it. But a lot of it more is structure versus being kind of flexible so you know me i am so it's like thinking i'm so unbelievably you know in the judging section that i I am so structured with everything i do just because if i'm not structured it gives me severe stress so if you look at you know my business plans my business strategies and i think this is part of the personality type that really helps me be a good strategist is you know, mm-hmm. I like things to be organized on schedule, on time, you know, know the price, have everything planned out with tasks, whatever, whether it be in golf, you know, setting up a plan for golf, business, this podcast, uh, school, you know, I, I love structure, love calendars, love scheduling tools. Yep. I absolutely love structure because I feel mm-hmm. like when I have structure and I have a plan, all I have to do is follow that plan. And honestly, it helps me to minimize my intuitive um you know personality uh letter because it helps me stay a little bit more present rather than looking so far in the future so you know it kind of balances it out so i'm really structured in everything i do you know like if i'm going to play play golf i like to schedule at least three days in advance i'm i'm rarely you know just kind of wake up one day and like huh what do i feel like doing today like the day i do that is not a good day for you know so um <laughs> lucas where where do you fall uh i'm 50 50 exactly really? um so i i also like structure especially if it's like a really busy day or i have a ton of things to do on said day then yeah it's pretty it's pretty convenient to have a set structure on like okay i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that then i'm gonna do that in this amount of time and but i also tend to be very flexible with that so if one with one person needs to change something to maybe an hour later then i can move whatever had it during that hour 
uh, earlier. I, I'm, I'm uh, so hard to explain, but I'm, I'm really flexible while still being kind of judgy, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, and, and how this applies to golf is I think this doesn't really apply as much as the way you play golf, but the way no. you practice and improve your golf. So yep. for me, um, I am probably over structural. Like I like to have, you know, my practice for like a week. So these are the days I'm able to practice because of weather. Okay. What do I do on, on this day? And what do I do on this day and make sure, you know, I'm practicing an equal amount of putting and irons and driver and, you know, getting on the course and i like to you know structure things have a really good balance make sure everything is is perfect so you know all i have Mm -hmm. to do is execute that and it gives me the best chance at improving rather than i i rarely sometimes i do but very rarely do i just say okay i'm gonna practice golf today you know just gonna show up and kind of decide what i want to work on you know that's because for me personally i I just, I don't feel like that's as productive for me because, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know what I really 100% should be practicing. And, you know, you only yeah. have 24 hours in a day. So mm-hmm. the time I'm able to practice golf, I want to make sure is absolutely maximized, you know, uh, Im- yeah. improvement. So for sure, what, how do you think it applies to golf and uh, how you practice it, Lucas? Um. It's a good question. Uh, let's see here. So with the 50-50 uh, split, I think for me, it's I show up and it's like, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go practice today. And mm-hmm. so I show up to the golf course and I judge on the day before. What did I not do so well yesterday? What did I do well yesterday? And I kind of base it off the day before or the last time I played a round of golf and be, okay. be like, okay, so I had 34 putts yesterday. So I definitely need a grind on the putting, but I also didn't get up and down a lot. So those yeah. two con- consequently were not good. So I'm going to practice my chipping as well. Yeah. And yeah. it all starts from the put- putting back up. Cause I feel it's and more short gaming up. Because if your short game is not good, or if you're need if you're chipping a lot and putting a lot, that probably means your iron game isn't very good because you're missing right. a lot of greens. And if your iron game isn't good, it's also a probability that your dry, that your tee shots aren't as good because you're yep. putting yourself in harder positions. Yep. So I I tend to work backwards. I like start with putting and I'll be like, okay, I also didn't chip very well yesterday, so let's go chip then maybe I'm striking my irons. Well, they're just not really going where I want it to go, which is a hundred percent of the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so like right now I'm I'm striking it very well. They're just like the contact's good. It's just not really going where I want it to go. So I might go work on trying to hit a certain target and be like, all right, I need to hit, get it there a certain amount of times before I can leave like that that is where my judging part comes into play. Like when I'm putting, I'll be like, it'll be, it'll be like four forty-five, almost dark. And like, all right, I have to make 30 in a row of these four footers before I can leave. Yeah. No excuses. 
So if it takes me an hour, I'm there for an hour putting in the dark and I don't, and like, and if I can't do it, it'll actually bother me. It'll be like, if I can't get 30 putts in a row and I have to go home because it gets too late, it'll bother me so much. I'll be like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to manage myself. Like actually it would bother me so much. So that's why I, I tell myself you have to make 30 putts in a row before you can do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like discipline. Yeah. That's, that's smart. And, you know, you kind of saying you, you judge it off of the day before, you know, that really, mm-hmm. so me, as soon as I finish a round of golf, unless it is absolutely just 100% for fun, which is rare for mm-hmm. me, you know, as yeah. long as I played thinking at least a little bit about how I'm playing and, you know, really trying somewhat, I will always use the stat. I will always enter my stats and, I use the uh, decade elite portal. Now I used to have just a huge long spreadsheet, but that took forever to put together. So Mm -hmm. I just use decade elites platform and I'll go through and enter my round and it will show me, you know, based on a D one college golfers profile where I lost strokes, where I gained strokes. But instead of basing my practice just on that one day, I will usually practice it on the last or practice based on the last five rounds you know, cause that's a bit more of a, a larger amount of rounds. So a larger amount yep. of data. So it's a little bit more accurate than just one round because, yep. you know, my, my last round I played, there were about 35 mile per hour wins. So I lost about mm-hmm. a stroke on irons, yep. but I hit my irons pretty well. It was just the fact that I was mm-hmm. hitting a six iron from 120 yards. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, by combining that with the last four rounds where the wind wasn't quite as mm-hmm. ridiculously hurricane insane, uh, yeah. it allows me to see, okay, well, you know, that was just, you know, I couldn't really control that with the irons. I hit it good. You know, everybody would have struggled that much. Yeah. So, you know, I use a little bit more data, but overall, you know, I think we're similar in that sense that we yeah. do base it on how we've played in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's, the personality types, you know, there are 16 of them. You're either E or I, yep. N or S, T or F, J or P. Um, once again, you can take a test and figure out what you are for free. It takes like 10 minutes at 16. So one six personalities.com. Um, and it'll tell you so much information about it. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear what your personality type is and how you think it affects the way you play golf. So send me in. Instagram message, Twitter message, tweet it, whatever you want to do. Um, but since it is towards the end of the year and we're actually getting towards the end of season two of the perfect part, which is absolutely crazy. You know, I've had the opportunity to have so many great minds on this podcast and I really hope it's, you know, it's benefited me a lot and I hope it's benefited uh, all of you listeners, but Lucas, this is probably the last time you'll be on the podcast for season two. I'll definitely have you back for season three, no doubt. So I figured we could kind of, you know, take a look, uh, uh, just a brief look back at your season this year. I know you played a lot of events. I played a lot of events. Yeah. You know, what are some of the events that stood out to you? What What mm-hmm. did you learn? What are some of your goals for next year? You know, just kind of tell me a little bit yeah. about all that. Sure. Um. So this is going to sound just so just terrible when I say this right off the bat. But when I look at my uh, – my year in terms of competitive golf, I am not happy with it. (laughs) And that one reason being I set one goal for my entire uh, season 
of competitive golf. And that was to win one tournament, just to win one tournament. Mm-hmm. And I've, I blew that opportunity like three times all on the last hole, which, yeah. which shows that my short may, it was, it was mostly short game. My short game under pressure is just horrendous. And yeah. that's what needs to get better. And the only way to truly practice that is to play more tournaments. And so you have to put yourself in contention to then learn how to play under pressure to then get better. Yep. So, um, now again, I have, I had like three or four second place and a third place. And I had some other tournaments that just weren't good. So I had a plenty of positive, um, in my season, Mm -hmm. obviously I, I learned from my mistakes and now I know what I need to do to get better for next year. And yeah, I just not really happy with my season. Um, I know that sounds pretty like, dude, what are you talking about? Two, four second place finishes. But um, I feel like when you, it's, it's, I, I understand that it's hard to win, but when you, when you set one goal, kind of like when I was talking about putting, um, setting that goal. And if I don't get it, it drives me crazy. The fact that I set just one goal, one goal for the entire year was just to win one. And I had four opportunities and, um, I lost it for myself because of my putting or my chipping really bothers me. It's, It's an unsettling feeling. And but what I get out of that is determination to get back out there and try to do better, work on it, get better and try to win. So yeah, exactly. obviously I didn't get that goal. So the goal for next year stays the same to win one tournament. And if I win a tournament, those goals might change. It might be uh, try to get or try to qualify for some big event or yeah. uh, get another win or yeah. You know, just it all, it's all based from what I did. So the goal isn't going to change until you achieve the goal. And then once you achieve that goal, or once I achieve that goal, I can change it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a big goal person. And so I've talked a lot Mm -hmm. about goals, read a lot of books about goals. And I think what, you know, somebody like Brett McCabe and Scott Fawcett would say is, yeah, when you don't achieve Mm -hmm. goals, it should bother you. But I think they would also say, that setting goals that are not result oriented better Mm -hmm. suit, uh, you know, not having that disappointment. So for me, especially, you know, earlier this year I did, I set goals like uh, Mm -hmm. uh, win a tournament, uh, come in second place two times. The problem with that is you can never predict how the conditions of the tournament will go. So, you, you know, what happens if, you know, you play really bad the first six holes of the event, you get it back on the last 12 and you, you're you looking really good for the second day and the second day gets rained out because it rains six inches overnight. You know, you can't yeah. control that, but you, yeah. you turned it around and you played well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if it has wind, if the absolute best player in the country shows up in the field of your tournament and <laughs> beats yep. you by three, you know, okay, they played better than you, but as long as you played well. So that's something that I, I did as the year went on yep. uh, because I'm a big goal setter, but setting goals that 
something I know I can do. It's just about doing it. So maybe that's, you know, hitting 250 putts a day. You know, I can do that, whether it be at the golf course, in my garage, you know, I can hit intentionally 250 putts, working on getting it on the right line or whatever needs to be worked on. That's something I can do. And if I do that, you know, I will still have the, um, the feeling of accomplishing a goal without having to rely on outside uh, forces or outside, um, you know, things you can't control, but you can't control if you practice putting. Right. So, you know, that's definitely helped me a lot with my goal setting Um, as far as, you know, messing up on the, on the last hole of a tournament, dude, I did that so many times this year uh, too. I mean, it's just, we're, we're at the age where we're really starting to, you know, when you're, on the last six holes of a 36 hole tournament, you know, it's, and you're somewhat in contention, it's tough. And so it's the more you can put yourself in those situations, the more you can learn to deal with it. You know, the first situation I was in like that, that was really, you know, I was actually behind was the Nashville golf tournament. I played with you back in in May. You know, I was, Mm -hmm. I think I was two back through like 11 because I made the most stupid triple bogey ever on, on nine. Um, for those of you, well, of course you weren't there. My ball was about an inch out of bounds, like literally an inch. So it was, yeah, that, that was, was, that was disappointing. Um, but you know, so I made three birdies in the last five holes, had a one shot lead and I had two mm-hmm. in the final hole, which is not a hard hole. It's, I had 200 yards to the green from the fairway and all I had to do is make par and win. And I did not go for the green, which is a stupid mistake, but now I know just because I'm in contention, you know, playing conservative, you know, automatically going to, oh, I need to lay up because that's the conservative play isn't always right. You know, I could have hit a five iron there. There was plenty of room to the right, even though there were bunkers. It still would have been better than what I did, which is lay up with like a nine iron. I hit a wedge into the bunker. I hit the bunker to seven feet and I missed the seven footer, right? Versus what I could have done is hit the five iron into the right bunker, let's say hit the bunker shot out and still had two putts, right? Even if I hit the bunker shot to 30 feet, you know, two putting, two putting from 30 feet, it's a higher probability that will happen than getting up and down from 20 yards in the bunker. Uh, So, you know, just little things like that, that, you know, I was able to learn this season under pressure, you know, how my mind works under pressure, which immediately goes to conservative, 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 you know, so, I mean, so conservative, it's, it's, unreal you know i did that in other tournaments this year so you know i I was able to understand how my brain works in terms of that and you know be able to next time i'm in contention work on that um yeah but i definitely think 2022 is going to be a a great year for both of us and i look forward to uh, playing more more rounds with you then um thank you so much for joining me today yeah thanks for having me again thank you very much